Hey everyone, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Book Insights from Memoid. I'm Tom Butler-Bowden. Each week we do a deep dive into a non-fiction bestseller. It could be self-help or psychology or business or philosophy. It might be a recent hit or an ancient classic. Each book we cover can improve your life or your work in some way or just make you think. So today's Book Insight. It's about something that's important to all of us. The average adult spends 30 to 50 hours a week at work. This time we spend with our colleagues, even if it's online, can be more than the time we spend with our family. So happiness at work is central to our well-being. Eastern spiritual wisdom has long been an antidote to the high-stress, individualistic way of modern life. And the message of Sri Kumar Rao's happiness at work is that it's only by seeing yourself as part of something much larger that you'll reach your potential. Moving away from a me-centered view of the universe makes you a more stable person who'll thrive over the long term and you'll be more useful to others. Last week, we looked at the book Flow by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. As a concept in psychology, flow is all about the beauty of losing yourself in the moment with a task or activity. You do something for the love of it, not for the outcome. Rao says something similar. Achievement comes as a byproduct of throwing ourselves into the process of something. If we're really engaged, the outcome will take care of itself. Or as Ryan Holiday puts it in another book we're going to cover in the show, when it comes to work success and happiness, the ego is the enemy. Happiness at work might not be as famous as some of the titles we're covering on Book Insights, but when I read it, I felt it was underrated and packed with wisdom. So I hope you'll find the book as fascinating and powerful as I did. A final word about the episode today, it's slightly different. It's in testimonial style, where the narrator takes the ideas in the book and tries it out on himself. It is different, but I hope you'll enjoy it. Like all Book Insight episodes though, it's divided into three parts. Please leave comments or rate it, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're listening on, so you'll get a notification of the new episode each week. But if you'd like 24-7 unlimited access to our library of over 100 book insights, you can do that. Just go to memo.com forward slash insights. You'll see the link posted on the podcast description. Okay, let's get on with the book. Hi, I'm Robin. I'm having problems at work. In an incredibly strained moment on the job, I had this vision of my work situation. I'm barely keeping afloat in a stormy sea. The sea is my career. One moment I'm riding the wave just fine, the next I'm dumped below the surface. And it goes on like that. I'm floating along, then I'm dunked. I'm floating along, then I'm dunked. I know this isn't the most unique of situations. A lot of us have problems feeling satisfied at our jobs. To get a feel for this, I ask some people in the street how they feel about their work. I made it my mission to do things because I love them. There's no sense in spending the majority of your time doing stuff that drags you down, robs your energy, or being around people you don't want to be around. Um, am I allowed to say that I drink a lot? Okay, because I drink a lot. The worst thing about this is it's only a job. A job isn't the worst thing in the world, despite that I spend all my frustrations at it. There's politics, economics, and even relationships. Everything seems to be constantly changing to the point of turbulence. There's got to be another way. For guidance, I'm looking at a book by Srikumar Rao. It's called Happiness at Work. Be resilient, motivated, and successful no matter what. Good title. 
I'd love to be all those things right now, so I'm willing to try out its lessons. We'll see if they can help me keep my head above those waves. We'll look at some key points from happiness at work. The power of not judging. Making work meaningful. Managing yourself, not time. It's not me, it's you. Change how you see people. See life as a drama. Be happy despite conditions. Have a different view of achievement. Just be quiet. Leaving a me-centered world. And finally, who or what are you really? I'm going to take a look at the first two of these now. I'm awful at labeling everything. I assign just about anything as good or bad without thinking. I don't think anyone notices we do this. Rao argues that the cumulative effect of negative labeling is enormous. It confirms you're at the mercy of forces you can't control. Labeling something as a bad thing guarantees you'll experience it in a negative way. You can't ever really know if something you've labeled bad would ever turn out good. Instead of labeling, I should consider what's happening in a neutral manner. Not, my life is over, I've broken my leg, but just, I've broken my leg. Just take everything as it comes. Injecting emotion into everything only puts you on an emotional roller coaster. Just deal with each situation as it arises. I remember what my first car accident was like. I believe the term for my mindset after the crash would be temporary insanity. I was ranting and raving at the driver who hit me, the witnesses trying to help, and even the officer who was called. So yeah, I didn't take it very well. I wasted all my energy in an emotional reaction. But just imagine instead if I focused all that negative force toward working on a solution. I probably would have acted more like an adult than a whiny basket case. My insurance premium might have benefited from that kind of response. Instead of losing my mind, acting like the accident was the end of the world, I should have treated the situation as neutral. My actions were under my control, and I could have behaved much better. Most of us have felt stuck in jobs that we didn't like. At the same time, we don't feel like we have a lot of options, so we end up staying and complaining. The key to happiness in these situations is to take responsibility. Say, for instance, your industry is in trouble and your pay is reduced by half to keep the company afloat. You have two options. Either you can start looking for a quick exit or stay and do what you can to help the company improve. This might not seem like a fun solution, but taking the second option can give your work more meaning and may help you feel more job satisfaction and motivation. I've always felt like the perfect job that lights my fire is coming along, but life doesn't work this way. Before I find the role that's right for me, I need to kindle a passion inside myself first. If you see your job in terms of its function alone, you're on your way to work burnout. Instead, take a bird's eye view. One example Rao cites is a marketing campaign director for pharmaceutical products. Someone in that position doesn't simply sell medicine, seeing it that way could be defeating. The marketing director would be better off looking at it this way. I work for a company that allows a father of three to stay alive and support his family, thanks to the products I am selling. I should acknowledge that this isn't simply a task you do, but a worthwhile contribution to the world. Rao suggests being like Big Blue, the IBM chess-playing computer. Chess master Kasparov was exasperated by Big Blue. He couldn't demoralize the machine with his moves. When Big Blue made a mistake, it quickly moved on and worked out the best strategy. As I go through my day, I won't slap a label on everything or event. I'll simply observe what happens to me. I won't allow my emotions to sway me. 
Sounds like a tall order, and this just might be impossible, but Rao suggests even a slight move in this direction will hugely improve my life. And whatever job I'm working, I'll cherish it. People complain they have no passion for their work, but you'll never find passion outside of yourself with thoughts like those. Crossing guards could see themselves as simply someone who stops traffic so kids can cross, but really, they save lives by ensuring children and parents get home safe. They also increase driver awareness of people around them. Let's take a break. I'll continue my testimonial and more lessons from happiness at work next time. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. Hello, it's Robin again. I have been dissatisfied with my work, but I'm looking to turn that around. Everybody feels this way to some degree. Some of us feel it a lot more, but it doesn't just affect your mood at work. It has a lasting effect on your health, your friendships, your confidence, and your sense of direction. Making drastic changes in my life never really takes hold. I try to force myself to deal with my unhappiness, but nothing sticks. So I'm looking for a more inside-out sort of solution. I've been looking at a book by Srikumar Rao for help. It's called Happiness at Work. Be resilient, motivated, and successful no matter what. Last time I learned how I need to take responsibility at work and how that'll lead to a more fulfilling work ethic. I also learned to avoid labeling everything with negative or positive tags. I can't enjoy something I've already labeled as bad, so I should instead regard most things as neutral. I'm going to look at four lessons from Rao's book now. Time isn't the issue, it's you. Change how you see people, enjoy the production, and be happy despite conditions. First, we'll look at time. I keep swearing to myself I'll improve my time management. I'm awful with it, and nothing I do seems to help. Rao says you can't manage time, because time is something outside of you. I guess blaming time is an easy cop-out. I find it difficult to admit that what I really need to manage is myself. Before I look at Rao's solution, I ask some people in the street how they improve their time management. Making lists and following them. You have to set rules for yourself. You have to commit early in the day or set a weekly agenda, what you're going to accomplish, what you're going to do, and that makes it very easy for you to say no to the things that are going to get you off track. Rao is straightforward and rather brutal in his lesson here. If you have a problem getting things done, there is a simple, if painful, solution. Think deeply about how you spend your time. Are you constantly allowing yourself to be distracted by email, instant messaging, and social media notifications? Next time I need to get something major done, I'm turning off my phone and disabling my Wi-Fi. One of the biggest bummers in my workplace is my relationship with a few co-workers. I'm not typically so negative, but there's just a few people who I can't stand anymore, and I see them every single day. Rao explains the source of many relationship breakdowns. It's something we rarely recognize in ourselves until it's too late. Each of us believes that the way we see the world is how it really is. But really, we see the world as only we see it. The universe isn't made of objective facts or matter alone, but consciousness. 
the state of our consciousness determines how we perceive our world. I travel the same way to work every morning. Today, the trees and houses look lovely. Other days, I may curse the blandness of the commute. Has the road and scenery changed, or have I? I must realize that I'm driven not by objective facts about others, but often bad perceptions. Rao says that the more room you give people to be themselves outside of your expectations, the more they'll surprise you. Rao gives us a tip on how to deal with difficult people. Find two traits about them you admire and compliment them. Do this and watch how those relationships change. Next time I'm in the office, I'm going to walk up to my most challenging coworker and give him a couple of observant, thoughtful compliments. It'll be tough, but let's see what happens. As Shakespeare said, we're all actors and the world's a stage. Like many people, I treat my actions and creations as eternal entities, but like Ozymandias in the classic poem, we'll all end up as names on a gravestone. In a hundred years, nobody will even know who you are anymore. But if I think of myself as an actor, then all life becomes an adventure. I'm a witness to the drama. Any difficulties I experience are the characters, not mine. This gives me the energy to throw myself into the part and do what I can to help my character triumph. Whatever happens in my life, it's a drama that's been created from my mind. I choose how to react and how long to keep reacting in that way. If life is perceived as a dream or a drama, it suddenly becomes less heavy and emotional, and I have more space to be effective. If you look back 10 years ago, Rao suggests, you'll find that whatever perceived problem you had then wasn't worth worrying about. A solution eventually arrived. Or whatever you desperately wanted, there's a good chance you got it. This exercise makes me realize that there's nothing that I have to get, do, or be in order to be happy. It's part of our nature to be happy without conditions. In fact, most of us have spent our adult lives learning how to be unhappy. We cultivate the belief that we have to get or do or be something to achieve happiness. I'll admit I fall for this kind of thinking. It can feel like if I get that one thing I seemingly really need, then I'll finally be happy. Rao brings some Eastern philosophy to this. He explains what you don't recognize, what you don't accept, is that your life is perfect. If I make partner, or get married, or vacation in Peru, life will be fine. But if it doesn't happen, life is still fine. When I think about it, much of my life revolves around being something I'm not. If I had that one extra thing, whether it was a car or a job promotion, that's the thing that would make me the real me. But that's just not true. I've lost out on my best opportunities to enjoy being me. I'll never be complete if I want to be something I'm not or own something that isn't mine because in the end, I'm fine just where I am. My daily routine is well-maintained, planned, and mastered. Exercise, a well-balanced diet, a stable 9-to-5 job. I've fought long and hard for them and I'm still very much enjoying this stability and predictability. But according to Rao, I'm limiting myself. It's like if my favorite food is spaghetti and meatballs, so for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I eat spaghetti and meatballs around the clock. If that's what my routine is like, I can see how limiting that is, and boring. I need to do something different or try to be someone different. Tomorrow, the world is a stage. I'll put on my character and look at life through the eyes of this person I'm playing. 
Perhaps I'll see those difficult people in the office a bit differently. I'll finally see those couple positive traits I kept myself from seeing before. Rather than improving my time management, I can manage how my character uses their time. Maybe my character won't answer so many Facebook messages. I'll take a quick break for now, but we'll continue again with my testimony, and I'll continue looking at the lessons from happiness at work. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodeapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. Hey again, I'm Robin. I'm wrapping up my experience attempting to beat the career blues with Srikumar Rao's book, Happiness at Work, Be Resilient, Motivated, and Successful, No Matter What. At work, I can really be prone to anxiety. I think a lot of that is because there are so many unknown variables and possibilities of failure. I think that's what drew me to Rao's book. Eastern philosophy has long been an antidote to the high-stress way of modern life. Rao never explicitly says Buddhism influenced his book, but it's pretty clear where his influences lie. In this final part, I'm going to look at the final four lessons from Rao's book. Have a different view of achievement? Just be quiet. Leaving a me-centered world. And finally, who or what are you really? I'll start with re-examining my definition of achievement. Rao confirms something I've suspected all along. Outcomes are totally beyond my control. However perfectly I plan something or execute a task, things happen. The job goes off the tracks, gets delayed, or just takes off in a different direction. So, what am I to do? I can set goals and work tirelessly towards their achievement. Yet at the same time, I make peace with whatever happens. If the goal is reached, that's wonderful. If it doesn't, that's still good. The key thing is that my happiness no longer depends on achieving a certain outcome. It makes sense not to get too attached to a certain outcome. Instead, I invest myself in the process, the movement towards something. This way, I'll enjoy every day, and yet not be dejected or ruined if by some chance what I'm working towards doesn't happen. I think I have a handle on this. It's hard not to strive for my direct goal, so the next time I interview for a job, I can't strive towards the single goal of landing that high-paying role. The likelihood of nailing any particular job is a challenge, especially when competing against a line of equally qualified people. Instead, I'll think about it like this. I'll get a job, a good one. What matters in this next interview is that I prepare and present myself in a way that represents the best in me. Even if I don't get the job, I want to feel like I was at my best. I want to interview to the best of my ability and be satisfied with that, regardless of the outcome. Many of us can't determine what we want from what we think we want. We're social creatures, so it's hard to take the individual out from the group. I asked some people in the street how well they think they can tell the difference between the two. Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't think I can tell the difference, now that you think about it. <laughs> At the end of the day, what you think you want is more immediate and first thing that comes in your head. You have to think about it to really know what you actually want. And if it sustains and you want it for a long period of time, then it's not just what you think, but what you actually do want. Rao has a lesson for those of us trying to figure this out. Sit quietly with only yourself and no distractions. 
observe your own thoughts. When I do this, I'm less likely to fall into the trap of pursuing things I think will make me happy. Instead, I reflect on who I am or what's truly meaningful. We all think of ourselves as free people, but how free are we really? Before this, I didn't even know if I could sit alone and be comfortable with my own thoughts. When you sit down and observe your thoughts, you start to see them for what they are. I recognize that so many desires, demands, plans, and memories crowd out my ability to enjoy the present. If you want to be free, be quiet. Do you seek out people who can help you, are attractive, or like you? Do you avoid or devalue people who lack these criteria? When there's a major news story, do you wonder how it will affect you? I'm guilty of these. I live in a me-centered world. The problem with living in a me-centered world is that it makes you miserable. Sounds contradictory, right? Living like this will see you suffer great swings between elation and depression. Because your happiness will depend on whether things are going well or badly. Instead, I'm going to start focusing on what I can do for others. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be of service. We live in a world of transactions where all parties are looking to gain something. But not me. Not anymore. I'm not about what's in it for me. I'm all about what I can give. And honestly, who wouldn't want to work with somebody with this mindset? Rao's final lesson is a major existential one. Who are you? You can't be what you do because your job or work can change. You can't be your relationships because they can change. You can't even be your body because that too changes drastically over time. You can't even be your emotions as these pass and change like clouds in the sky. The question I should be answering is, who am I all the time? The only thing I possess all the time is my consciousness. Knowing this, I identify more with the actor than the role. I play a part in something greater, and I'm simply an expression of a bigger, unified reality of everything and everybody. If you have this outlook, you'll become much more tolerant and better able to see the world as others do. Compare this to the normal way of seeing things, which is to view other people as a means of helping you achieve your wants and needs. This separates you from others, making them vehicles, not points of consciousness the same as you. The smaller the circle of people you think of as us, the more difficult your life and relationships will be. The bigger your circle of inclusion, the more support and love you'll get. I've often felt alone in my misery at my job, because that's how misery works, right? Rao got to the heart of my problem. I look at people as tools in my pursuit of success. My coworkers are resources, not living, breathing entities much like myself. I learned how my job isn't a function I perform. I provide a service to better the world and people around me. Similarly, I don't work with a bunch of random, replaceable, blank minds. I belong to a team, and the team belongs to me. I'm not alone at my work, because when I work, I become an us. And the people our work touches are part of us as well. From now on, I'm not looking to see what my job or our customers can give me. I'm focusing only on what I can give the world. I'm grateful for the lessons Rao wrote in his book. Happiness at work taught me that only by lifting up others will I reach my potential. This outward focus makes me a more stable person who will survive and thrive. This will make me happier. And Rao reminds us 
that people who are happy tend to be better at their work. When you're working with the motivation to benefit others, the outcome will take care of itself. Thank you for listening to my testimonial and this book insight. Thank you for listening to Book Insights. Check out the rest of our content at memodap.com. Please keep in mind that the information provided in or through our Book Insights episodes is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for advice given by qualified professionals and should not be relied upon to disregard or delay seeking professional advice. Thank you.